Um, and so I, I know that last week, Chris, whenever he spoke with you guys, he kind of walked through Acts chapter two and a big portion of that, the end where you start to see some of that missional community develop amongst believers. Um, and it's one of my favorite passages. Um, just so you know, I say that about just about every passage I reference, uh, but it really, that one is one of my favorite passages because I love how clearly you see what missional community really looks like in the life of believers. And you're actually going to look at that um, in a little bit in your table groups as well. But, but we have this moment where, where Peter speaks on the day of Pentecost and filled with the Holy Spirit, he shares who Jesus is to a huge crowd of people, 3,000. And after he's finished, there's this moment where they all come forward and they're ready to follow Jesus and more are added numbers by numbers day by day after uh, those who are being saved, right? We see that in that passage. And what I love about this moment is immediately it starts to tell us what they did. And so it starts to walk to how they worshiped together and how they ate together and prayed together and developed genuine relationships together. And so you just see this monumental moment, but it wasn't about this moment on stage for Peter, but what happened after and how the Holy Spirit began to move through the masses in these smaller groups. And that's what you see in these missional communities. So in your missional communities, it's more than a Sunday school class and it's more than a small group because it's taking a hold of the gospel and what Christ has done for you individually, but then applying to what that looks like to how you live your life as a group, as a family. Um, So we've done this for, for 10 years now. And I I can tell you, if Sunday mornings were taken away forever, but I was able to still have missional community with my fellow believers, that is church for me. And and you're going to see that as you kind of move forward and dive deeper into what it means. And so for us, one of the things that we do and how we equip our leaders, by the way, I've I've been uh, at Shirley's Baptist Church. I was at Mercy Hill in Kennesaw for a while. And at both of those places, missional communities has been how we've done discipleship together. But three things that we've always focused on are just gospel community and mission. Like being rooted in scripture together, studying the word and letting it filter through everything that we do. So that's part of the everyday stuff of life that we experience. But but then also it's the community aspect. Are we genuine friends? Like if it doesn't feel organic, sometimes it's hard. Right. And so you have to kind of work through some of those moments with people. But the hope is that in the way that you develop uh, a community, it's genuine friendships that are long lasting um, for the sake of the gospel. And then the last thing is living missionally together where we, we take hold of what Christ has done for us personally in this group, and then we go out into this world ready to live on mission, living sent for Christ's sake. And so for us, what that looks like on a weekly basis um, is that we gather together in someone's home. Um, and so weekly, we gather together, and for us, we, we kind of dive into the Word based on what's kind of being preached on a Sunday morning. But I've seen groups that, or, or churches that do things differently. Maybe it's a study through John or a study through Romans But it's a time where together as believers, you're just walking through the gospel together. You're walking through what we see in scripture and how um, how do we articulate this? How do people see this in the way that we live our lives? How do people see this in the way that we talk and communicate and how we go to work every day, how we raise our kids? And so when you're in these moments together as a family with other families, you see all that and you sit around a table and you talk. And I can tell you that for us, we've had some of the most amazing moments that felt more gospel centered in the time around the table, having a conversation about something really hard going on in a friend's life, even more so sometimes in the conversations about, hey, we're going to walk through these questions based on the the passage because you get to do life together. And so in those normal rhythms, we we usually have a a moment where we have a meal. Uh, We have a moment where we discuss passages together uh, in scripture. We pray together and then we just really like to hang out with our group. And so when we host, 
It's, it can be taxing and challenging, but there are moments where we're just like, we're just going to leave our house open for a little bit. And you might not want to do that. You might say, look, nine o'clock, I need you out. We got these little kids and we got to get them in bed and that's okay too. But I think providing that space where people start to feel that comfort and what it really looks like to be family and let that identity permeate just through the group is so key. And so we do a meal together, we discuss scripture, we pray together and we hang out. But one of the biggest things I think that has uh, struck a chord with me over the last few years is really focusing on your group being multi-generational. You know, there's so much wisdom that can be passed down, but then sometimes wisdom that can also be passed up. Um, And so we, you know, most places I've ever been in my life growing up, I always feel like the groups or or classes were organized in a way that it was it was age focused or, or a stage of life. And I get it because we assimilate to what's like us. We assimilate to the experiences and the things that people are going through in that same stage that we are. But there is just some joy to be found in being around people that aren't walking through the exact same thing that you are. And you can learn a lot from one another. Um, So we had a group that we started a few years back. And uh, it was mostly our age. I'd say like at the time it was uh, early 30s to maybe mid 40s. And uh, this, this couple in our church, they were new to the area. They're from New York. Um, I've never been to New York, you know, and it's like, hey, look, we're trying to find a group. We don't know where to go. You know, we don't know what to do. We're just trying to find it, you know. And so, they, so Mr. Ed and Miss Dorothy, they were, they're in their 80s. And I was like, well, yeah, uh, um, I don't really know. You know, we don't really have any groups that are around your age. And so Krista said, just tell them to come with us, you know. And so we, man, we invite them to our group. And uh, I told them, I said, look, there's... A little bit of chaos, but it's organized chaos because there's kids kind of running around and we're just like kind of like working through some of this mess together. And Miss Dorothy, I will never forget after the very first week, I was terrified. I thought she was going to see like kids running up and down the stairs, throwing Legos at each other. And I, I was scared that she was going to look at me and go, we're never doing this ever again, you know, but, but she didn't. I mean, she looked at me and she said, I haven't seen life like this in a long time. My grandkids live in Wyoming and my, and my other daughter, she lives in Florida. So I don't get to see this. And so in this, in, in this moment, every Monday night, Miss Dorothy, who made some of the best casseroles I've ever had in my life, would come in and she would cook and she would do all these things and she's interacting and she knows my kids' names and she knows the rest of the kids in the group's names. And it's because she saw the importance of, I have a place here. I believe in Jesus. These kids need to know Jesus. And so this might be my opportunity to, through food and fun and fellowship, like be able to pour into these kids. And so multi-generational groups became something that Chris and I were just, it was the thing that we pushed. You know, like we've seen so much life from this because it is so easy to get stuck into what we assimilate to, to where we miss the moment that are really big like that. So really focus on multi-generational groups. Um, some, some practical things that I've always thought are helpful um, that I've walked through with people is like, how are you going to communicate with your group? You know, I think that's always a question. It's like, hey, we, 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 we hear you, Matt. Like, we, we believe these things. We're ready to do the community part of it. We're ready to, to kind of jump in. But, man, we're not really organized. And so we don't really know what that's going to look like. And so, like, we, we give a lot of freedom to the group to kind of decide that together. Because every group's going to be different. And so we, we tend to push people towards GroupMe, which is an app, you know. Or maybe it's just an email group that you have or a, a text group or I don't know, Facebook group, but, but whatever it is, I would just say consistency is key. Like letting that be a place where you can maybe do some planning together where it's not, if, it's, if you're not able to always do it in person and, and have those moments where uh, you have a space even digitally where you can communicate. Um, birthday celebrations, you know, 
uh, gospel community mission, right? So that, that, that community part, sometimes it's like, oh, well, like we have hangouts every now and then. We might hang out on a Friday night. But, but birthdays are an easy way to do that. Like celebrate each other's lives and celebrate another year that you've had on earth, right? And so we, we all the time, if we're asking everybody, hey, when is your kid's birthday? When is your birthday? Let's try to celebrate that together. Um, in fact, I think we have one coming up um, where we just get to walk through some of those fun moments together. And, and I'll say too, just like on a regular normal, like if it's a Monday night, we, we our group met on Monday nights. On those Monday nights around the tables where some of the best conversation happens before you even dive into the word together, birthday parties and, and hangouts can be a place for that too. And I think for, for our people, that was a hard thing to get, right? And where we were, it was, um, we were kind of strictly going from more of a Sunday school model to, uh, to, to like walking through what missional communities are. And so people were like, well, if you're just hanging out having fun, you're not actually studying the word. If you're just hanging out and having fun, you're not doing, you know, gospel living. And, and we got, had to get them to get into it first to see that, well, there actually is a lot of that. And I'm sure it's, if you have had a chance to go through gospel fluency, anybody? Not yet? Have you, have you talked about that? Anymore? Keith, I know Keith has, yeah. But gospel fluency, a book by Jeff Vanderstill, he talks about how letting the gospel be a part of the everyday stuff of life. Meaning when you're, when you're at a birthday party and someone's talking like about a serious thing that's going on in their life, that might be a moment for you, right? That might be the avenue that was needed or the, the moment that was needed for you to articulate who Jesus is in that person's life in that particular moment. Um, so always have you know, ways that you're kind of trying to do things that are fun together. Uh, for food planning, we, we do a lot uh, of rotation eating, right? So we, we'll have breakfast for dinner. We'll have uh, pizza night, Mexican night. And we just kind of have, you know, usually have four or five things that we just rotate and so, again, this is just some practical stuff. But, like, for us, the, the creating a rotation just made it easy. You know, I was just telling Chris, if it was up to me, I'm not the best planner in the world. But I really love breakfast, so I'm just going to eat breakfast every week, you know, whenever our group would meet. And for a while, there were a few other guys that were like, yeah, we're doing that, you know. And, and so it just kind of wrecked it for everybody else because nobody wanted to eat breakfast every single Monday night. Um, you know, or maybe it's like, well, we'll just order pizzas again. But there is something to the planning process, so it's not this thing that's dominating, right? You want it to kind of flow. You want it to be something that's in the background so that the main thing is the main thing. Um, but then the last thing I'd say is really taking ownership of the group. Um, I love what, what Chris was telling me earlier is that he's not trying to find like one person to be this specific leader, but it's that as a group, you guys each kind of have your own roles and responsibilities throughout. So you might have somebody who's facilitating conversation who feels like the leader of the group, right? But, but also you might have somebody who's really good at planning, and they want to walk through like, hey, we're going to make sure every month we're going to do something social together. And then it'll probably start to become more organic. But having somebody who's willing to be that person to put it together and piece it together is key. Um, same thing with missional stuff. We had a, we had a girl in our group. Uh, her name is Robin. And uh, I'd love to say that every single person that comes into your group is going to be the most missional person you've ever met. But that's not the case, you know. Um, and so Robin is. Ro- Robin, by far, is the person who looks outside of herself all the time. And I love that about her. And so Robin immediately, when we started talking through like, hey, we're going to have some different roles and responsibilities in our group. And immediately she just jumped into the missional side of that. So she was actually connected here in Macon, uh, the group called Hands of Grace. Um, so they would go to Central City Park and, and have food and dental care and clothing and shoes and, and just interacted with the homeless there. And uh, at first it started with just a physical need, but then it led to like genuine conversations. And so she said... Hey, they need help packing backpacks. So every fourth Monday, 
we didn't do discussion that night and we packed backpacks and prayed over him and walked through like, man, what these people are going to go through. And then we would go on Saturday and go with Hands of Grace and partner with them and, and meet and interact with the people who were getting those bags. And I, I just remember like the joy that she found in, in just simply planning some of that stuff. Um, so, so having someone who takes ownership of these different responsibilities, I think is just a really, really powerful thing. The last thing I'd say is, is, and I know next week is really going to focus on what servant missionaries look like, right? Am I wrong? Servant. Servant, sorry. Servant next week. And so I don't want to take too much from that. But I think the hope is that as you dive into the word more together and as you grow in genuine friendships for the sake of the gospel together, you see that there is this applicable thing to who we are as Christ followers. Like understanding that God, the God of the universe, sent his son to die for us. And that's what we put our faith in. And if that's true, it should compel us to live a different way. It should, it should compel us to, with unveiled eyes, look out into a world that is broken and see these moments where we have the opportunity to live missionally together. Um, so I, I have a few questions at the table. And so I'm gonna kind of turn it to you guys at your tables for a few minutes. And then I think, Krista, we're gonna do some Q&A afterwards. But as you walk through it, it's gonna look at the same passage that you guys looked at last week. Um, but specifically, just look at some of the actions that you see in Acts chapter 2. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Okay. Hey, bring, bring attention this way. All right. So what I want to do um, here for just a little while is have a, have a Q&A session with Matt. So before I guess I open the floor, uh, remember last week you came in, we gave you that like 95 page dossier on what a missional <laughs> community is. And I know that you went home and you took notes and you highlighted and man, you were just ready. And so in case you didn't pick up what Matt was laying down, tonight we're talking about the idea of family, the identity of family, living that out. And so we really see family lived out in a bunch of different ways, but this, the, the specific rhythms inside MC that we were talking about was family gatherings being the first one, and then the second one kind of DNA. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to open the floor up to, to you guys. Um, if you had any specific questions about, hey, Matt, how did you see this? Or how did you experience that with family gatherings or DNA or anything else? So this is your time. Go. Yeah. So we're recording this on a podcast. So every time you ask a question... I'm going to just say it back so that yeah. it's in the podcast. So I'm not being a parrot on purpose. Do I get to say it too? Sure. I'm just kidding. Here, you no, say I'm, it. I'm just kidding. Thank okay. <laughs> now they've just hit the, t- the fast forward 10 button on the podcast. But uh, so the question was, h- how do teenagers fit into this whole yeah. missional community, family gathering, DNA, whatever idea? That's a great question. Um, so I, w- I would say a couple different ways. Um, one is uh, you don't want to exploit them. But you do want to teach them already what it looks like to be a servant. <laughs> um, so sometimes we have utilized the ones that have a heart for it to actually serve, you know, with our younger kids. And so, um, like for us, we have a space. Uh, it's like a little upstairs playroom. And so we had in the group that we had uh, when we originally started, I think there were two or three teenagers, four. But they would 
they kind of just handled childcare for us while we did our discussion time, right? And so the, the rest of that time, uh, it was a chance for them to just interact together. Now, if it's one or two, it's a little more challenging. Um, but I think every group is going to be different. It, it also depends on the maturity of those kids. If they're 17, 18 years old, 16 even, and they're okay with some conversations, you know, I, I think it's, it's great to have them in the room. Um, we, we actually had some of our older juniors and seniors who would be a part of conversation with us. I know that can be challenging, right? Because what if it's about raising kids and it's like a time for you to really look at the other parents and go, this is what just really stinks right now. We're trying to work through this. And so you just got to be mindful of that and just say, hey, tonight, man, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go hang out with kids or, or you know, like make a plan. I, I, there is no like perfect solution, I don't think. Um, but being able to be flexible with students is key. And, and so we use them. As a, with servant hearts uh, to help us with kids. Um, but we've also had some that are like, I freaking hate this and I'm never doing it again, um, uh, which is fine, you know? Um, and so really just kind of trying to figure out where they fit. Uh, can they be a part of conversation? Can they not? Are they going to serve or not? You know, are they not? Um, and so, you know, we, at Shirley Hills, we have a student ministry as well. So they, they have discipleship kind of there on Sunday nights um, on their own. So I mean, that's kind of how we've, we've, we've utilized teenagers. Yeah, so I would add on to that. So we are, Mateo, in Sunday nights for student ministry, is going to be doing the, the rhythm with MCs as well. Very cool. So we would be encouraging them to go to plug into that. I would also say, if you're a member, um, looking into the packet, and you'll learn more about this week three, this neighborhood to the nations thing that we call, like, the third rhythm is not just stuck in this, like, corner of week three. You kind of find something, some how to do mission stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Prayer and neighborhoods of the nations, I believe, should be a part of your family gathering in your DNA. And so when we gather as a family for uh, an intense an intended time of prayer, I would say bring those students in there for and sure. legitimately ask them, hey, what is going on in your life? Like if there's 12 to 15 of you in that MC, you know, obviously you're not going to go over everybody's prayer request that night. I think yeah. Keith will talk maybe about this some next week when he, he shares. But like sometimes you do prayer request pads, but you might highlight, hey two or three of you, let's talk about how we can pray for you. And it might yeah. be that 16-year-old or that 11-year-old's night to go, hey, here's what's going on in my, in my life. And we pray over them. Like, as a family, I think about as we're raising the next generation to have a faith and to live this yeah. out. Like, faith is something that they believe, but it's also something they see. Yeah. And their understanding of faith is how you live out your faith. And so if you invite your kids into the family gathering to pray together, to to cry together, to celebrate together, they're going to understand that that's part of doing the gospel and everyday stuff of life. Like this is what it means to be a family. So also, you know, just talking about kids for a second. Um, we, so we, when we were up in Kennesaw, uh, one of the first groups that we kind of formed again, this was like early on, it was all really new. And so we were just kind of trying out things. Um, but we had one of our, uh, I think it was an either an older teenager or a college student, like take a moment in front of the adults to kind of like walk through a story in scripture with the kids before we did our time. So they got to see it. And then we kind of, again, kind of modeled it like, like Chris is saying. So there are some people who don't even like bringing their kids to group and you can't, I can't for, you can't force anybody to, but I just feel like you're missing out if you don't do this together as a family. Cause, cause the kids from an early age get to see like, this is important. This is like a primary thing for mom and dad. Um, like this community and this, you know, gospel focus. So. Yeah. Is that answer? Anybody? Next question. You've got them. Don't play. So what's, all right, once you finish your meal, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, hold on. Let me. Oh. Hey, so oh, yes. yeah, we've got to ask the question again. So uh, after in the family after gathering, you, after you have eaten dinner uh, and you're moving into maybe the, we'll just call it the serious time, sure. right? <laughs> what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. Um, again, we've been in a variety of groups and it does not look the same every single time. The one consistent thing I'll tell you is. You're always going to have those people who are just like constantly keeping time in their head. And so for us, uh, it was this guy named JP. And so as soon as you saw him taking chairs from the kitchen into the living room and he's just like setting out chairs, it was like, oh, okay, like this is, this is the JP's ready, you know? And so like for us, it was like, that was the obvious moment that we're shifting gears. Um, as far as do we, you know, choose to read scripture, we, 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 went, we go to the Word together and we pray together every time we gather, um, unless it's like something specifically just social, you know what I mean? Um, but like our, our intended gathering, like a Monday night for us, um, it, was, it was, and we eat together, hang out, um, we, we move right into a time where we go through the Word and we kind of articulate it and, and talk through it, uh, and then we always pray together, um, you know. But there, I will say there are some nights where maybe there's something just really heavy going on in someone's life and they just, they just drop it. And so be flexible and say, hey, it's not wise to go, okay, moving on, question number four, you know, or whatever, you know, but, but to stop in that moment and really invest and just love on that person, put hands on them, pray for them. Um, I, I think you just got to be mindful of those things. And if it's something heavy, man, you don't have to keep going through questions. There's, you know, there's not like a rule book for that, you know? Um, so flexibility, but, but also consistency. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just share what I know about New City and specifically I think Keith's group. So they meet on Wednesday nights. They eat dinner together, everybody. I think Keith actually sits at the kids' table, if I remember correctly. And then after dinner, uh, the kids go have fun, play. Sometimes there may have been a kid-focused lesson or not. They, most of their MCs, uh, work off of sermon questions. Mm -hmm. So their staff does a really good job, and we're going to begin to do this as well, of releasing before the sermon uh, comes out. I think it's on Saturday. They release three to four, maybe five questions pertaining to the sermon that is being preached. And so uh, if you have a Sunday night MC or a Sunday morning or Tuesday night or Thursday night, you can have the questions that really are going to ask application, right? Because we're going to teach theology yeah. and, 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 and those types of things in our sermon on a Sunday morning. And then when you get in your MC, you'll open your church center app and you'll have all those sermon questions right there. And so you can just walk through those three or four questions together. And, you know, the great thing about technology, oh, I didn't get to come to church this weekend, you know, whatever, yada, yada. Well, there's the podcast. Mm -hmm. So you, you can always still kind of be involved in that. Sure. And did I hit that about right, Keith? Uh, I know of other MCs that, like, like Matt said, sometimes, like, we're going to focus a little more on prayer because something's happened. Sure. Um, I, I've seen some that like did worship music and, and that type of things. And, and so I think the, the rigid structure is something that you should probably try to strip yourself from and be like, what does it look like to be a family mm. that, that really wants to um, spur each other on mm. to, to live out the gospel in the everyday stuff of their life? So does that answer, Katie? Lee?
Yeah. So it looks like the consistency is something that is needed. If groups struggle with consistency, what do they do? Yeah. Um, I think every group will probably experience that, you know, especially if you have children. <laughs> um, so we have uh, groups right now that half the group plays travel baseball and half the group does not, you know. Um, in fact, to the point where I think some of the families realize we don't want to be exclusive, but we spend so much time together. Wouldn't it make sense if we're away for three days together, you know, all together playing baseball for us to pull in some of these other families that are a part of this team, right? And try to invest in some people who don't know Jesus. So, like, groups have multiplied kind of naturally like that, right? Um, I would say with, with some of the, the, the lack of consistency based on scheduling and things like that, I would try to avoid, um, like, pigeonholing yourself. So, like, if, if you have to stop and go, hey, maybe we need to evaluate what day we meet, Right? Like maybe maybe Mondays were great for a time, but for the majority of people in our group, it's not really a, you know it's not a great time anymore. So would, would, would everybody be okay with moving it to another day? I think it's okay to have those kind of conversations, you know. Um, but then also, if you're the person who finds yourself that you know it's, it's your family, like we're everybody else seems to be comfortable, we're not able to really do this, you know. What I mean, like like on this specific day, then maybe it maybe it's time to start something new, you know, on a, on a different day, or maybe it's time to evaluate, is there another group that we could be a part of or that we could connect with, which is hard, you know? Um, but consistency in general, I think every group probably fights some of that, you know? I think that's why, I mean, I love the question uh, that we just kind of looked at at the table, like with devotion, you know? Uh, when we, when we say that we're devoted to the gospel, we let everything kind of flow from that, like let the gospel change who I am at my core. So now, like, all of my, my priorities even shift some. And again, I know that's asking a lot, right? But can God of all the universe send us in the die for us? I want to be a little more explicit with what he said because, sure. you know, y'all are my people, so you can hear this. Uh, I like Keith and I were talking about, our, our group was talking about this, and he said, when we talk about devotion, what does it look like? What, what we tend to do in here in, in this type of setting is we think about all the priorities we have and then how can we fit our devotion in devotion to Jesus and MCs in of all those priorities. Whereas when, when you become a Christ follower, your devotion to him becomes first and then mm-hmm. everything else flows into that or maybe from that, I should say. And that's kind of what Keith was pointing to. So there's, there is a point where you just have to look at yourself and go, am I, am I committed? Sure. I mean, that's just, that's just real. Like if you think you can just kind of flow through life and then one day live out these family servant missionary rhythms you're wrong. You have to be intentional. Uh, so that would be one thing. The other thing I would say, if you'll look back to the leadership structure we've put in place with MCs, is every MC should have at least three core families, right? You should have the, the lead family, the co-leader, and then the, the bought-in family. And so at any given time, you, your hope would be that there are three families, six people um, that are saying, we're together, we're here. And so... It, you know, the creek rises, we're together. That makes sense? Add anything? Change anything? Cool. Next. King. Hold on just a sec. This is probably more, way more efficient. Just talk. Just going to speak into this? You just talk. So probably for the last decade, as we've done, I guess you call them home teams, whatnot, there was a concerted effort to have X number of couples that were in similar stages of life. Right. Little kids, middle, kids gone. Right. 
our last group, almost identical to that. Pretty much every kid's out of the house with the exception of maybe one child, older teenager. When, when we went to Keith's church and did a little training with them, I picked up on a lot more crossover, like the strange group. That's their name, the strange. <laughs> um, he, he, yeah, he, he had, you know, he's my age, he's 50, and they're, they have a little, what appear to be little kids in their group. And so do y'all, do you kind of encourage that to have a, I mean, if I'm 50, do I need some groups that are 30? And do I need some couples that are in their 30s? Um, man, like I said, I, I think there's a lot of value in it. You know, I don't, I don't think that every group has to look like that, you know, and there are going to be, I would say most groups end up assimilating to people that are similar stage of life. It just kind of happens, you know, most groups that we've been in have been our stage of life with a few, maybe outliers. Um, and so some multi-generation doesn't mean you have to have two couples in their forties, two couples in their fifties and two couples in their thirties, you know? Um, but, but I just, I really do see a lot of value, you know, I'm sorry, 60, 70, Um, but I, I just, I, I'm telling you, I, I've been in those, you know, core groups that are just your age group. And I just feel like I missed out on a lot once I got to experience what it was like having people that were a couple stages ahead of me. And I got to watch how they parent their high schoolers before I have high schoolers, you know, same for the 20 year old who's watching me parent my eight and nine year olds. Again, I, be flexible. Cause I, I just don't. For one, I, I think there's a lot of value, but I, I don't think it always just happens that way. Most of the time, people assimilate to what's familiar. Hope that was helpful. Yeah. Next up. Can you talk to like the commitment or like what it looks like in between meetings of what the group's doing? Like, is it just planning? Is there preparation for like the Bible study? Like, what what is the expected commitment and work for the group? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love that Keith, uh, he has his, his MC, their le- the leaders are in collectives together. Um, so even outside of like their, their group that they meet with, there's other leaders. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Uh, but, but they get to spend time kind of walking through, hey, what's working in your group? What's not? How are you preparing? Like, how are you walking through scripture? Like, what's your, I mean, what's your fa- how's your family? You know, and so it's that, it's, it's almost like a smaller group that's kind of walking through and preparing for when it's time to meet with your group. Is that what you're kind of saying? Like as a, as if you're someone who's leading or just like, like the whole group in general. Okay. Yeah. So I'll talk about leader and then I'll, I'll talk about, you know, and so I love that because I think it gives you the opportunity to have people who kind of walk into the same thing you're walking through. If you're starting a group or, or getting ready to equip somebody else to lead one. Um, so, so I would say that as far as the commitment goes, um, you're, I mean, hopefully you're in the word every day, right? I mean, hopefully you're, you're spending time with people who are kind of walking through what you're walking through and asking questions where you have questions and giving wisdom where you have wisdom. Um, for the group, um, I would say, again, it's going to be different. And so we've had groups where everybody has come and like they've already like memorized every single question that we're going to walk through and they're ready. They've already got their answers written down in their notebooks. Right. And then somewhere's like, man, what? If, I can't even remember what yesterday the sermon was about. You know, so got to give a recap, you know. Um, and so I think I think it's what you want to put into it. And so I would hope for a great commitment from, from every person that's going to be in that group because they, again, say this is what we're going to make priority. And they look at it as a chance to, how am I articulating the gospel in your life? How are you doing it in mine? Yeah, and if you look through those pages, we, we've put some recommendations for uh, kind of, I guess, shared leadership and yeah. plurality of leadership. And so you're talking about preparation. I, how much preparation goes into your family eating dinner on Thanksgiving? 
Like that, that's, to, that's to a degree part of the family gathering, right? Part of it is fellowship and food. And so we have a, a, somebody who's probably coordinating the food side of it. Like, hey, let's have this group, group thread is saying tonight's casserole night. So everybody bring their favorite casserole. Or tonight's taco night. You're bringing cheese, lettuce, sour cream, or hey, tonight's pizza night. Everybody Venmo, Sandy, five bucks, right? So there's coordination on that side. I think as far as like the biblical, theological perspective, preparation, like he talked about, you know, are, are you a committed follower of Christ and following, going through, you know, just yeah. your typical, um, I guess. I, I, yeah. yeah, just to lean into the practical side, because I didn't really do that. Uh, on the practical side, that, that's why I kind of walked through that earlier. I think it's really important to help get not just buy-in from people, but to share the responsibility across the group. And so having someone, like like I said, I'm not a planner. You know, Chris is a great planner. And so having someone else who's like, hey, I'll make sure that we're doing something social together. Like we're going to hang out and we're, you know, we're going to grill or, or swim or whatever we're going to do, right? But somebody's kind of the one that's going to say, this is the day we're going to do it, you know? And it's not always the person who's facilitating. And so divvying up responsibility, man, it's, it's huge takes a lot of weight off the person who feels like every week I'm the one that's coming in to facilitate. But then hopefully, you know, as people become a little bit more comfortable, you're not the only one that's also going to facilitate conversation that night, you know? Can I say something? Sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, see, I told you it was hard. <laughs> so um, the thing about missional communities is that uh, at the heart of it, what we are, we are disciples making disciples. Yes. That's what's at the heart of missional communities. It's not just that we are getting together to hang out. And so a part of shared leadership is making disciples. So for if you are the leader, for you to share responsibility with other people is a discipleship thing. Like, hey, instead of me facilitating questions this week, um, if it's somebody who's committed and they're a good participant, like you, you pull them in and say, I would love for you maybe to facilitate questions this week. And so you get with them, maybe by phone call, maybe 20 minutes before, whatever works, um, and go through, hey, how are you gonna lead us tonight? After it's over, you have another conversation and say, hey, that went great, you did really good with this or this. Here's some areas that might be helpful in the future. And so the more that you do that in your missional community, the more leaders that you are raising up, and the less work that you were doing all by yourself. The problem is when you take all the work on yourself and you don't disciple other people. I hope that makes sense. We have, we have people who, um, one of our missional communities, the leader, I think he said when y'all came and visited with us at our um, training event, um, he, he only facilitates discussion every six weeks because he has other people in the group that they have equipped to facilitate the questions. So that's something he doesn't do at all. So there may be six weeks for him where his involvement and engagement is very minimal. Is that helpful? So you're discipling and you're also giving other people the load. So that's the shared leadership that they were talking about. And to go into what Matt talked about with the every other month with New City, we'll, we'll pick up those rhythms as well. So we're going to encourage that the first week of the month is kind of like a dead week. Now, obviously, everybody kind of do what you do. It might be a great week for a DNA, whatever, but it's kind of a dead week because every other month we're going to have a coaching 
cohort. Like we're going to bring all of our MC leaders and encourage the co-leaders to come together and talk about, hey, here's what's working. Here's what's not working. How, how are we doing this? How are we doing that? And then like the ones that our you know, folks went to New City with, they had a special one, that one. It was how do we incorporate kids into our MC? And they spent, what, two hours worshiping and talking about how we incorporate kids. Yeah. So next. Yeah. Is kind of the ideal number of people you want or I'll say couples like re- a couple yeah. representing a family right. like what's kind of that sweet spot of what works best with numbers <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know I mean I, we've had culture of the groups can shift right with with three or four people sometimes you know and so that's a really hard question to answer you know I've, I've, we've we, I would say we probably tend to start pushing groups to think about multiplying, right, and having another space and, and welcoming some more people in once they hit, like, you know, 15 people or so, 15, 16 people. Um, I think one thing. 15, 15 couples. Yeah. Uh, no. Well. That'd be 30 people, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean. You got to the whole 30 people? I say, I say that, but. But we always, again, let me, let me, like, I say that, but we tend to get to a point every single time before multiplying where we have, like, 15, 16 couples, and, and we're just slammed in the house, and, and it gets to a point where I think it makes it easy for people to back out, and it's, oh, well, man, we know all these other families are going to go, so we don't need to go, you know? Um, <laughs> um, and so I, I think that when you, when you can keep it to where you only have about 20 adults in the room um, or, or less, you know? Um, sometimes it's it's just for one it's just easier it's it's easier it's easier to plan it's easier to schedule it's easier to kind of pay attention to each other's rhythms and, and make sure is this something we can do consistent consistently uh, more people more problems right <laughs> I don't know I will say some of our better nights discussions were built around like nights where a lot of people backed out and we ended up with eight people there yeah. um, and those nights like you look back and you go gosh. Like that was really nice, you know. Um, <laughs> well, you start you start to hear from people that don't normally talk, right? Right. Yes, that is very true. And yeah. then the other side of that, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. You interrupted okay. me. Everyone. I'm sure it was going to be great, babe. <laughs> <laughs> the other side of that is I don't know. I can't even continue. Um, but but yeah, I I think she's right. You know, like we we do look back on the moments where there was fewer, and you go, man, I can't believe so and so like had so much to say. You know, tonight it was great. Was Go for it. So Go for it. the other side of that is that you are you are trying to reach people, right? So your group is supposed to grow, right? right? So even if you start with eight people, that's great. But eventually, you should get to that fifteen couple yeah. number, which is then how you multiply. Um, and if you are doing your leaders, raising up leaders, and you're not the one facilitating, then it should naturally just multiply and be okay. Is that hard? Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's how it should go. In fact, I, I'd, I'd like to go ahead and I'll put a question out there. Uh, that I always get is, like, how do you know when to multiply? Like, how do you know what it looks like? How do you know, is it a good time or a bad time? Or 
And with multiplication, I think the, the biggest thing I'd say is just don't let it feel like division. <laughs> like one of the first times we ever did it, I, I remember like language is so important. And this is when I learned that because we learned through our failures. And I say, hey, we're going to split y'all. And so like Keith's going to take these families and he's going to be having a group that's going to meet at his house and we're going to have ours. Well, immediately when I said split, half the group was, group was like, man, you just broke up with me on Facebook. Like that's what you just did, you know? And, and so it, it completely shifted culture in our friendships and it, it took a lot of work on the, on the back end after that to go back and say, hey, we're really sorry. We did not mean for this to happen or have the fallout that it had, right? So I think language is important. So when you talk about multiplying, even if, it, even if you think it sounds good, if it looks like you're dividing the group in half and half's going this way and half's going this way, that can be really hard. Um, and so I would say, man, have your core families that you kind of start with. But the people that are coming in as, as the three core families, you're looking at ways to equip and prepare them and disciple them so that there's a moment where they are now ready to go and do the same thing that you've done with two or three other families to do the exact same thing. And then you keep bringing people in. Sorry. Okay. No, you're good. So I'm going to ask one more question, and I'm going to let Keith answer it. Matt, you can add some to it, and it'll be the end. And um, the good news is I think I heard both these guys are going to be back next week. So yeah. more questions. Next week we're going to talk about What's servant. Next week, what's the food next week? Whatever you want, brother, just to get you back. You, well, actually, whatever Krista wants. If I get Krista, you'll be here. So I, we, I know we have several groups that meet on campus, right? Either Sunday morning, Wednesday night. And so you might have heard everything we just said. You might have been going, well, how the heck can I be an MC and do the family gathering and all the deal if I meet at the church building? Keith, how do I answer that? How do you answer that? Um, it, is, it is doable. Um, it is. It will have its own difficulties, but it is very doable. Uh, there are, in fact, I think it has a very missional, there's a very missional aspect to it uh, because there are still people who they have always gone to Sunday school, and so Sunday morning is Sunday school. That's, that's when you do small groups, and so I think there are a lot of people who, who still want that, and, um, and it, is, it is good. So... For that reason, I, I am not opposed to Sunday morning missional communities. Um, I, I think that the, the, the when you do it is less important than what you are doing. And so your Sunday school has to become a family and not just a Bible study on Sunday morning. And as you are living life as a, as a family of servant missionaries, all of those aspects have to be a part of what used to be your Sunday school. And as you do life together and develop um, DNA groups, which is you know a few ladies getting together or a few men getting together at a different time for some deeper discussion and accountability was the word back in the 90s and 2000s. Um, it, 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 you have to have those things as well in order for this to be a missional community. Does that make sense? Yeah. To me. And so you even may have to adjust your time because sharing a meal, um, those of our, uh, in, in our groups when they've done that, sharing a meal is, is important. I mean, that's what families do. We eat together. And there's just something that happens when we're, when we're sharing a meal together and we're laughing and just catching up. Um, there is something about that. And so the difficult part is, okay, how do we do that on Sunday morning? at the church building, um, you can do it. You just have to plan and you do just like we did. You bring stuff and you eat in your Sunday school class or 
whatever, whatever room it is, and you do the same things. You sit around a table and you talk and you laugh and you catch up and you do everything that a missional community would do on the day that you meet and other days when you're doing, um, y'all don't call it third place. Neighborhood donations. Neighborhood donations. So, yes, you can do it. Um, and I, I think it is missional and I think it's potentially really, really good. But it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not your old Sunday school. It is a missional community that gathers together on Sunday mornings at the church building. Yeah, thank you. Matt, anything? I would just echo it. You know, like that's, <clears throat> like I told you guys, you know, we, we shifted kind of at a church scale to the missional community model, and we still have several groups that meet on Sunday mornings, and we don't discourage that. I, I loved how you worded that. I think it's way more important what you do, not when you meet. And, and so we, we have groups that um, I would say they might be some of our most missional groups um, that meet on Sunday mornings. Um, they don't, they're not always great about getting meals together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm constantly like, man, how are you? Are you guys friends? You know, like, or, or do y'all just do these, you know, these, you know, these things? Or, you know, but, but, uh, but yeah, I would just echo everything Keith said. Yeah. I don't think I would add anything else. Cool. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things as we move forward. If you remember at the end of, of last week, I, I, I asked you guys to start uh, kind of just asking the Spirit to, you know, remove you and, and, and see what God may do. Because there may be some of you who are sitting in, in one current group and, and he, he may want to move you to launch another MC. Uh, and I, I would just encourage you to continue in that, that posture of humility and figuring out what this looks like. Uh, we're going to launch officially with the church MCs on September 10th. And the staff were talking about this last night. What does this look like? And I'll go ahead and, you know, kind of tell you just because we're making a shift from whatever model we called it before to MCs, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to kind of kick everybody out of the electronical system. Ele- electronical. That is not a word. That is the second time I've said that in a conversation. And both times it goes great. So uh, electronic system, we're going to kind of kick everybody out. And our current leaders, we're going to talk to them and we're going to ask them, hey, with this new MC structure, what is your current leadership? What is your new leadership structure? Like I said, this will be a two year process. So there may be some of those leaders that go, hey, I've got this person, but I don't have this family. Uh, I've I've got people in my, you know, my, my MC, but they haven't necessarily stepped up to be whatever. We're going to be gracious and patient with you. But know that our expectation is to have those three core families. And when we launch on September 10th, if you thought you were in X, Y, Z group, you weren't because groups don't exist anymore. Missional communities exist. And so we want you to sign up just like everybody else in that new MC. If you're in the core, you're already signed up. You don't have to do that, right? Because you were one of those core three and you'll be at a table shaking somebody's hands and kissing somebody's baby and go, you should join my MC. Um, so anyway, that'll be kind of what that looks like. So just be praying about that. If you have more you know, questions, comments, you can text me, call me, email me, and I'll avoid all of them until September 10th. Uh, just kidding. Um, but anyway, it's been great. Matt, Krista, Keith, thank you so much. Give them a round of applause. We'll be back next week, week three, looking at the identity of servant. Keith will be bringing most of, us, most of that to us. So uh, let me pray. And then for those of you who have kids, go get your kids, their belts. Love you. We'll see you Sunday. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to, to gather and to learn more about uh, putting the rhythms in our life to help us live out the devotion that we have for you. 
and really that you've given us. Uh, God, we just want to lean into you. We want more of you and less of us. Help us to, to be that city on a hill in every avenue of our life, whether it's on the ball field, at the school, at our workplace, and especially at home, in our quiet time. God, help us to be this place where your light comes and moves in us and then ultimately moves through us. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Appreciate you guys.